What up all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 231 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Leon White. As promised, brought him on after discovering him on YouTube when I went down the rabbit hole of what could have possibly happened to me in Mexico after I had this energy shift. That was something more than just an odd meditation experience. It was something more profound, something that actually shook me to the core. And as I went down this rabbit hole, I discovered other people who had similar experiences. Leon being the first person I really connected with in his story, reached out to him and finally got through to where we brought him on the show today to talk about his experience, how it's impacted his life, where he is today. And it was a really great conversation. In fact, we have talked about doing a part two sooner than later. So stay tuned for that in the future. I'll give you a heads up when that is coming out. But in today's episode, yeah, we just go through his experience, compare and contrast a little with my experience, but really just hear more about him and his story and his YouTube channel, Curious World of I, as well as his path into life coaching. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. If you're a first-time listener, please hit that subscribe button. As many of you heard in last week's episode, I'm really enthusiastic about this model called value for value. So, for example, if you find something of value in this episode, do me a solid. Maybe take a screenshot of the episode and share it with your network on Instagram. Or if you're somebody who has a specific skill set that might be able to help me in some way get this Misfits and Rejects message out there or can contribute to me and my growth as a human being, whatever it may be, I'm really liking this idea of value for value. In the past episodes, I've talked about maybe donating on Patreon. That's always welcome as well. I do have really nice supporters on Patreon. I thank you all for the support there. But just to get more fans of Misfits and Rejects involved, this value for value model, I think, is really interesting. So if you have a skill set or something you can contribute, by all means, feel free to reach out. We can talk about how maybe we can apply your skill set to Misfits and Rejects or something else that can provide me a little bit of value as well. So please feel free to reach out to me, Chapin, C-H-A-P-I-N, at MisfitsandRejects.com if you have anything that you feel you can contribute. If not, no worries. I'm feeling really good about all these new episodes. I feel a new excitement kind of creeping into my system about reigniting Misfits and Rejects. I was never going to give up on it, but as you've heard me talk about in past episodes, I needed to take a little break, step back from it, really assess where I wanted to go with it. And although my vision is not necessarily clearer, I do feel that just doing it for me is therapeutic, cathartic in many ways, and people like Leon really help me see that this is my zone of genius. This is what I need to be doing. This is what I want to be doing. Connecting with beautiful misfits and rejects like Leon and hearing their story, which inspires me to keep moving forward on my path in life. So thank you again for joining me today. I hope you enjoy this episode with Leon White from Curious World of I. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I am joined by Leon White 
from Curious World of I. Leon, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's nice to have you, man. It's been uh, exciting for me to connect with somebody who has gone through the experience I just kind of elaborated on to my audience in last week's episode, and now having mm-hmm. you on, somebody, I mean, this, you're, you're, and we talked pre-show about this, you and I will start using terminology that some of the audience members might not agree with, but just yeah. for the audience members out there, just for you knowing, like, we're going to just kind of toss some different uh, terms around. Neither, I don't think Leon or I are very attached, but we both know that we've had this experience that was profound. And Leon's here to kind of like talk me through maybe what I'm going through a little bit as well, just kind of talk to you all about like what he's been up to and kind of where he got to where he's at today. So we talked pre-show that I found you on YouTube because I was lost. I had this spiritual experience in Mexico and it wasn't until I found you that I heard the term Kundalini awakening that then through your video, a lot of the symptoms, if you will, that you described really aligned with what I was going through as well as the phase in which I found myself in, which was this pretty dark phase of you described it as, you know, a a dark night of the soul, a term that, you know, has been used a lot for in religious context, because people have these moments of just like some, some have loss of faith, which really like shakes them up. Others like you and myself just had this experience that randomly occurred that sent us into something that was, I think difficult for both of us to process. Do you mind? I know. And for the audience out there, he's got a beautiful YouTube channel. All this information is on it. I highly recommend you go and check out Leon's YouTube channel, Curious World of I, but we have him here today. And if you don't mind, Leon, maybe just talking us through what mm-hmm. happened to you and then kind of the sequence of events that followed. Yeah. So um, in a more concise version outside of the uh, YouTube video that I have up there. Um, so basically I was in college at the time and uh, it was like my senior year I just had a lot of things going on in my life between trying to figure out what I was going to do after college Um, I also found out that my mother was um, ill again and um, trying to juggle a job and all the things that come along with college and just the stress of it uh, ended up leaving me in this experience which once I kind of went down a rabbit hole I found the term kundalini spiritual awakening of course, since then, I've kind of just called it a spiritual awakening out of respect and, and um, you know, not knowing completely all there is to Kundalini and the energy. So for right now, I'll just call it a, a spiritual uh, awakening. And so essentially what happened is just I just felt like I just wasn't in alignment, a lot of stress, uh, poor eating habits. I just wasn't in tune with myself. And one day I just had this experience where I started having like these um, panic attacks, these anxiety attacks. Um, Also, as well as uh, I felt this like charge of energy coming up uh, my my back, basically my spine. And I could just feel it like radiating off my head and um, just everything at that moment became like super like bright. uh, Every like it's like my senses were heightened for that, for that moment. Um, and it kind of freaked me out and also being kind of an empath to where I can feel other people's energy. I can very easily, easily kind of read rooms and and feel the energy in the room. All that stuff kind of became amplified in those moments. And so for like that whole entire month, it was May of 2017 when this happened. Um, 
during that entire month, all the way up into my birthday, because my birthday's in May, um, I pretty much kept having these panic and anxiety attacks. And when I went to the doctor about it, I kind of guessed that, you know, they would try to send me to a therapist and then they would probably recommend some uh, medications. And that's basically where it was headed. She was just like, yo, it seems like you're having a chronic panic disorder or something like that. And I could prescribe this and I, and something in my gut told me like, it's, it's, it's not a psychological thing. Maybe a piece of it was, but it felt more of a spiritual thing. And so that's what caused me to kind of go and started to look to see if other people had this experience and so forth. Um, And pretty much everything that I was feeling at the time was in alignment with what I read in terms of a Kundalini spiritual awakening, which some people can have unintentionally. I know there's people who practice yoga and so forth and other forms of meditation to awaken their kundalini energy. But I've also read that in my research that there are people who have it unintentionally. It could come from a traumatic experience, um, psychedelic use, uh, and other factors. And so that's kind of what happened in a nutshell in terms of that was the starting point of my self-discovery or rediscovery, as I like to call it, uh, process. And, and, and it led to a lot of decisions and things in my life going forward. Interesting, man. So prior to this experience, did you, did you consider yourself a spiritual person or were you just still going through the motions as a young man trying to figure it out? Uh, still going through the motions as a young man figuring out. I mean, up until that point, I really didn't think about it um, because, you know, when you're younger, you don't think about these things. You know, you don't when you're younger, you know, you can stay up all night, eat whatever you want and wake up. And, you know, at, at least in my case, being an athlete growing up, go to practice or whatever. But the older you get, you have you start thinking more and more about taking care of your body. And then you start and then you start where life gets more stressful and you start realizing, OK, I also have to take care of my my, my mental health as well. And then it just came for me in my life where it's like, I also need to be conscious of how I feel spiritually and kind of growing up in a household um, where uh, we were Christian, but it's not like we went to church every Sunday or anything like that. But my grandfather is a uh, preacher. Um, he, he spent all his life in the church and being a pastor and civil rights and so forth. And at a very difficult time in my life at 17, um, I was questioning a lot of things, you know, um, God, if you will. I, I just started having all these deeper questions. And I went to him being as wise as he was. And I mentioned this in the video, in my YouTube video. But when I went to him and uh, I was expecting him to say what, what I had going on in my life um, at the time was pretty difficult at 17 is when I found out that my mom was diagnosed with uh, stage four um, cancer. So at that time I was questioning a lot of things because I just couldn't understand why something like that would happen to her or to our family. And so a lot of times at that moment, a lot of people were just telling me to pray about it, but in my head, that just didn't make sense, you know, just to pray and see what would happen. So I went to my grandpa to speak to him and I thought he would say the same thing, but he actually said something to me that really opened the door for me. And he said, um, you know, there may be people who may disagree with this statement, but he basically said, all religions have some of the truth, but no religion has all of the truth. And that opened up a door for me to feel okay to explore other forms of religions and spiritualities and see what they were saying. I think that helped me broaden and deepen my own spiritual consciousness and awareness. 
Yeah, that's a profound statement. You know, hats off to your your grandfather for being so aware and observant. That yeah, I think there is so much truth in that. You know, nobody has all the answers, and it's important, as you know now through all your travels, just getting to put your or trying to put your feet in somebody else's shoes. As you see in places like South America, you can really start to become more empathetic to the plights of many people out there who are very different, you know, life situations than we are. As far as, you know, from that point in which this awakening happened, can you just talk the audience through a few of your physical steps? I know you were having a lot of anxiety, kind of panic attacks. Were there other yeah. things that were like pretty significant that were occurring for you? Um, I would also say my, my stomach as well, too. You know how they say you have a second brain in your gut? Mm-hmm. Um, during that time, too, my stomach was just going haywire as well um dealing with things like ibs irritable bowel syndrome and stuff like that if if you want to put a medical term on it i remember that was kind of heightened around that time as well too which made me get more conscious about also the food that i was putting in my body because i think this whole awakening was a shift a complete shift and i've even seen um looking at youtube videos where they saying how when people have mental breakdowns it's kind of healthy it, it like fortifies the brain a little bit to just reset almost like it's a, it's a reset that's going on. And, um, and so I do remember that from a physical sense. And I remember feeling exhausted all the time. And I would have these moments um, that they call it depersonalization, derealization, right? Where you basically feel like you're outside of your body and you have a very like tunneled vision. And it would happen to me at work. I, I never forget. Uh, at that time, I was working for uh, B- at a BMW dealership. So I would spend time with customers in their car explaining to them how the car worked because it's a lot of engineering and technology in these cars. And I remember I started having these like panic anxiety attacks while I'm in the car with her and my vision just became narrow focused and I couldn't I couldn't speak. I couldn't get my thoughts together. And uh, I had to take a break. And I was like, ma'am, do you mind if I step out the car just real quick? And I had to just take a few breaths and, of course, get back in and finishing demoing the car. So that's some other physical things that was going on at the time was just having these um, panic and anxiety attacks just like randomly happening. Um, And also my appetite. My appetite wasn't all that good either. It was hard for me to eat Mm -hmm. uh, initially when that first happened. So, yeah, it sounds like similar to mine, like that first moment of it happening, like you said, everything was heightened. in a kind of a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of took this turn that it went into like these physical reactions of anxiety, the stomach thing that lasted, you said for about a month. Yeah, just about a month. Um, and um, that's when I started to look into like meditation. That's when I started meditating. It was around that time that I started meditating, trying to understand what meditation was at that time. Uh, one of my favorite philosophers if you will is alan watts and he has this mini book called still the mind um which i had um i had read while i was studying abroad in 2016 which was the perfect book for me to read abroad because i studied abroad in peru and peru for those that know has a very strong spiritual force when you go to peru um and in my opinion peru is the, the 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 spirit of south america it's a lot of soul that's there and um, it opened my mind up to meditation, giving it a try, understanding kind of what it was, um, 
what's the objectives behind it? Why would somebody meditate? Why would somebody go up to a Himalayan mountains and spend hours upon hours in meditating? Um, and that helped bring me some um, resolve and comfort and calm in that situation. And um, since then, I've been meditating um, since that's happened. Yeah. How long are you meditating daily or are you doing it daily? Uh, well, I haven't been that, to be honest, I haven't been that up on it as I used to when things were a lot more hectic in my life. Um, but usually when I try to meditate, I try to do at least 15. Um, I do feel like ideally the best is an hour. Um, because around that same time, if you will, for those that have read The Alchemist, um, the, the idea of an omen, like these signs that, that help guide you, around that time that all that was happening, I took my father out for Father's Day um, on UNC's campus, UNC Chapel Hill's campus. And uh, me and my brother took him out to dinner. And when uh, I walked him to the car, and when I was walking back to my car, I saw a flyer for this yogi that was going to be in town like that same weekend. And I was like, man, like, that's kind of cool. Meet a yogi. You know what I mean? He, was, he flew in from India. His name was Sri Sri Shiva Bala Yogi. And uh, I decided to go to that event. And that was one of the first times that I began to meet with like-minded people that thought about meditation and other forms of spirituality. Um, and it was also the first time I was forced to sit down and meditate for an entire hour. And what were those results? Because I think I, well, I do the same thing, man. And this has been really helpful to me one the meditation, but to hear you, your story, because that's, what's been bringing me out of this funk. You know, I'm starting yeah. to see like my mental patterns changing for the positive, or at least me getting more in control of it. I mean, I, the last two months I've been waking up at like three, four in the morning and just like with mm. the most haunting, dark thoughts, you know? Yeah. Um, and the meditation is what is slowly helping break those mental patterns where I do wake up at four now. And it's like, I can like lay there for like 20, 30 minutes, breathe, and then kind of fall back asleep rather than stay up till six. So when you did do the one hour, what was that like compared to the 15 minute ones? Um, it was good because it was the first time that I was basically just using um, headspace at first. That was like my introductory into meditation. But here there was a whole different form. They had this like sacred ash that they put on like our forehead where you would qualify like your third eye, that spot. And that's where they told us to focus. And I would say the first 15 minutes, your mind is just going crazy with thoughts. I mean, to the point it's incontrollable. I'd say the next 15 minutes, it slows down a little bit where you kind of are more conscious and aware of your thoughts. Um, and then the third 15 minutes, the third quarter, 15 minutes, you're not having as many thoughts. Um, maybe you'll have within that 15 minutes, you might have two thoughts, but they'll come and go just as quick because it, it'll lead just as quick as they came. And for me, I realized that 15, the last 15 minutes is usually the ideal spot I like to look for when I'm meditating. And that's where, where I'm like half sleep, but still awake where there's nothing I'm conscious. I hear um, my my sense of smell, sound also gets heightened to where you're like asleep, but you're also awake. You're not fully asleep and you're still breathing deeply to the point that it's pretty natural. And that's when I reach that state when I, and I don't reach that state every time, but when I do, that's where you kind of wake up with like this natural kind of high and it stays with you throughout the entire day whenever I can reach that point. Mm, yeah, I feel that 
with uh, the books I've been reading recently, like Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about that theta brainwave state that you might have just yeah. described. I'm not familiar exactly if that would be the right state of mind you're talking about, but where you do kind of have that ability to make huge transformations within that that wavelength in your brain, where it's like um, he talks about that being like kind of like the key. If you can get your mind to that point, you have a lot of uh, capabilities to do miraculous things with your body. Yeah. Have you gone down any of those other rabbit holes, like you know, like the Wim Hof ice bath kind of stuff, and like testing your mental strength? Uh, I mean, <laughs> eventually I will. I just recently, uh, this past year, got into um, the uh, what's it called, the flotation therapy, mm-hmm. where you're in the pod floating with the uh, him, the salts and stuff like that. But um, eventually I would. The only ice baths I ever did was when I was playing sports and after practice, you jump in the ice bath. But um, eventually, yeah, I actually kind of at that point now where I'm kind of seeking those things out because I miss having those mental challenges to overcome those physical responses to something like getting into an ice bath. And it really helps out with your mental because alongside meditation, I started getting into stoicism as well, too. And I feel like those two things come hand in hand because a lot of part of stoicism is about controlling what you can control. And, you know, really the only thing you can control in life is your own mind, you know, your own your own actions. A lot of stuff is out of our control, despite how much we believe that we can change a lot of things for ourselves. But there's a lot of things in life that we deal with on a day to day basis that we have completely no control over. And the biggest instance of that is this pandemic, you know, you know, so I think stoicism is something that everybody should look into um, because, you know, people need help coping with a lot of the things that are going on in the past, you know, two years um, around the world. No doubt. So, yeah, this experience, what happened like three years ago, your kind of your spiritual awakening. Yeah. In 2000, May of 2017. Okay. And so in hindsight, after now having had that happen and everything you've gone through, where do you mm-hmm. find yourself today, spiritually speaking, mentally speaking? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, JPN, because one thing that that spiritual awakening has done for me is just made me more conscious, is it's made me more aware of my internal world, the universe that swirls inside of me. And uh it's really hard to say where I, I am now, uh, because it's always evolving. One thing that that has taught me to do is just be open to new information around spirituality. A lot of now what I listen to in that field is from Ram Dass. I've gotten into his podcast here and now, which has helped me out tremendously. But it's definitely made me more spiritually aware to where I'm more conscious of when I need to like take time to myself, do gratitude walks. It's made me more conscious of the things that are going around me where I feel a bit more connected to the things going on around me than I did before. Um, And it's also made me more accepting of people because as I began to accept myself, I began to see my reflection in everything around me from nature to other people. And that's also afforded me a great deal of patience in my life that um, I've always been kind of a patient person, but it's, it's kind of deep in that for me. Um, and honestly, I felt like that happened to me for a reason, because the next six months of my life after that awakening were probably at, at this point in my life um, would be 
the hardest time in my life that I've ever been through. And so I felt it happened to me for a reason to get me to prepare for what was to come next in my life. So the, the, the six months that you just described, it, so the audience can be clear, was it the same anxiety you described earlier? No, at this, at this point, at this point, I got a little bit of control over that. I wasn't having the anxiety attacks anymore. That probably lasted for like a month and a half mm-hmm. because it got to a point where I could feel them coming. And I could I could prevent them from happening by taking a second. If I was at work, just finding a place to take a deep breath, finding things to bring me back into my body, um, smelling things that have a strong citrus smell to it, going outside and just feeling uh, the sun against my skin, feeling the breeze, feeling how cold, it, just getting my mind off of whatever was mentally grinding me up to the point where I felt that anxiety or panic attack happening. And so I once I began to get a little bit of control of that, it helped me just fortify myself mentally and spiritually um, to the point where that that really wasn't happening all that much anymore. I see. And then so that as the six months unfolded was the hardships that you found spiritually hard, like spiritual hardships, or was it just life hardships, like things that were just out of your control and life happening to you that you were now having to deal with? It was all of it. Um, but the what I was going through had a very spiritual element to it. And what I was going through was um, in May of 2017 is when all this happened, the awakening. And two months later, June going into August is when I moved back home from college. And when I moved back home, And I recently spoke about this for those that know a great motivational speaker by the name of Les Brown. Um, I've connected with him and I've shared my story on his Facebook page through a a group called Power Voice. Um, But what ended up happening was when I moved back home, uh, I moved back home to a very frail version of my mother. I didn't I didn't it, I up until that point, I didn't really realize how sick she was. As I mentioned, when I was 17 is when she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so because I was in the last years of my college, she did a very good job to a degree kind of withholding how sick she was because she wanted me to focus on school. And so from that moment on is when I fell into a full time caregiving role for my mother up until she passed in November. So that having that spiritual experience, I felt prepared me for what I was going to have to do moving back home, which was taking care of her. And that is also a a very spiritual experience um, because it was the first time that uh, Ramdas speaks about this a lot. How in the Western world we kind of avoid death. You know, we we throw our elderly into homes and stuff like that. Where in other cultures it's a lot different. They 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 view death a lot differently. And for the first time, I was having to think about something like our own immortality and seeing it face to face every day as you know things progressed. And she went through her transition. It became a very spiritual thing for more because I spent a lot of time with her because I was basically looking after her 24-7 up until she transitioned. And were you using the tools that we had described, like the meditation tools to come? Oh yeah, for for sure, man. Through those that time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's also when I got into like binaural beats and stuff like that to help me meditate because 
that I, I use that from time to time when things are like too intense for me to focus. But I would say I definitely got into that and also got into uh, gr- gratitude walks. Um, because the only free time I got to myself, I was caregiving for her was when somebody came to visit and they'll like relieve me for two or three hours. And I always used to go to the park and do a lot of walking. And that's also around the same time I was going through the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. What's a bi- binary beat? What's that? Um, those um, are they called binary beats? The the beats with like uh, with the hertz, like four, three, two hertz and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's based on the solfeggio style, like do, re, mi, fa, so. It's like different wavelengths that's supposed to like help you focus. And uh, you know, I haven't gotten that deep in it. All I know is just they're very. Some of them are very peaceful to help you kind of ease into your uh, meditation. You can find those on YouTube if the audience. Oh yeah, they got tons of them. Tons of different variety of them based on different frequencies that you can listen to on YouTube while meditating. Right. Sorry for your loss, man. I mean, oh yeah, man, it's part of life. That story is so relatable to the exact same experience I had with my mother. She kept her cancer secret for six years, and when I was in Nicaragua and coming home, not knowing she was that sick, and this saying the same thing, shell of a woman who, luckily, I had a year to spend with her before she passed, but didn't. I mean, three days before she died, we we finally found out what was going on with her. You know, so. Mm. See, look, that's, that's, this is our mothers bringing us together. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, she was with me in my little awakening. She was there. I felt her presence for sure. And it was interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet you still feel her presence. I feel my mother's presence every day. In this house, because it's, I live in the house that she left uh, me and my sister, and uh, I catch these, like, movements out of the corner of my eye all the time. Yeah. You know? Gives me chills. But um, with your travel... And the things that you've experienced on the road. Yeah. Some of your videos, you talk about them as spiritual experiences. Mm. What does that mean after having such a profound spiritual experience and contrasting what it means to have a spiritual experience on the road as a traveler? Well, part of the dark night of the soul, as some would explain it, it's like your reunification with, with God, right? And depending on how you view God, but I feel for me personally at where I am right now in my life, if you really want to get to know God, get to know yourself. The more you get to know yourself, the more you understand God, the more you travel, the more you see the world, the more you see these uh, natural things and even natural things like going to a big city like New York City, you know, that divine universal energy, as I like to call it, is, is there. But what made that experience, my travel experience, so spiritual for me, because one, to be honest, I mean, as soon as my mom passed, I was just in a bad mental and emotional state, and I just I just had to leave. So I basically sold all her assets. I sold a lot of my stuff, too, packed up her estate in like four months, packed one bag, and by August of the next year, I, was, I, was, I had bought a one-way ticket to Europe. And one thing that I realized is when you're backpacking across continents and large bodies, it, you spend a lot of time reflecting. I mean, you're on train rides for three, four hours at a time. In South America, you're on bus rides for 12 hours of a time, sometimes with no Wi-Fi. So what else is there to do? To reflect, to think, to, to just feel, to just be in the experience or just sleep, depending on how long the bus ride or just talking to all these interesting people that you meet on buses 
that are traveling these great distances, both travelers and both people local to the South America countries that I was in. But what most was spiritual about it was me connecting with nature because I began to see nature in ways that I had never fathomed being a kid from North Carolina. I, like I never forget the first time I saw the Milky Way, like I cried. I, I've never seen anything that beautiful. And there's a statement in the book that I was reading by Alan Watts, Still the Mind, that says, you know, it, and I'm paraphrasing here that all of the awesomeness that you see in the world, the clouds, the stars and all that stuff, like the same thing that created you created those things, too. So that awesomeness is is just as much in you as it, as it is when you look out into the physical world. And all of that began to come in alignment for me. So when I'm traveling and I'm going to places like Machu Picchu or I'm seeing Iguazu Falls, like which is one of the world's largest waterfalls in between South America and between Brazil and Argentina or off the coast of Panama, where a lot of humpback whales go to give birth, like you feel a part of that. And I begin to see how like I'm a, a small piece in this very large thing, which makes me feel just as large. So on a spiritual note, it that's where that connection begin to happen. And not only that, when you're traveling, I mean, you're meeting people from all over the world. When you're in a hostel, you're in a room with so many different people and you start talking to all these people and you start to realize the similarities between us and the different ways of lives. And generally speaking, most humans want the same thing. And so it just brought a level of connection to myself and in my opinion, a deeper connection with God by getting to know all that he created, you know, and that's why I love also traveling, not just for the fun of it all, but there's also a spiritual thing for me too when I, when I get the chance to travel. Yeah, no, I can connect with that. For me, as, as well as like constantly being bombarded by situations that I'm not familiar with, so I can't be on autopilot to deal with them. Yeah. I have to be present. And the the traveling keeps me present, which, you know, keeps me in touch with that life energy, you know, where yeah. it's like I'm in flow at all times because I'm present. Yeah, you got to be present. If you're not present, you might get pickpocketed or something, <laughs> depending on where you are. So <laughs> traveling and being in different environments definitely taps into a different part of your brain and consciousness, especially when there's a huge language barrier. Absolutely. But I mean, being in... Uh, South or Peru, I believe you said you did your your study abroad. Yeah, did you pick up Spanish there? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm fluent, and uh, my mother she was actually Panamanian, so I got a good ear for it. I wouldn't say I'm fluent in speaking it, but yeah, I I I, I could survive. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. I was doing okay when I was in South America. Nice. Um, do you prefer one continent over another? Like, do you you, you talked about being in Europe, South America, yeah. or does it just all have its you know? beautiful aspect yeah they're all definitely unique you know europe is a place that is more of a headspace it's part of the western world but europe is still very much different than the united states um and there's tons of similarities but yet still different and europe is a place at least for me where it's just like because there's so much history there you know you're seeing all this this part of the ancient world you're seeing all these uh old monuments from empires uh, hundreds of years ago. So it's a place that makes you think. I mean, you go to the Vatican and you're reading about the the cardinal virtues and how people used to live their life and how was Michelangelo able to make these statues. It makes you think about history and about just human evolution. Whereas South America is more of a heart space. It's a lot of soul there. It's a lot of, as you probably know, dancing 
it's a more um, collective culture. So, and a lot more nature, a lot, you know, you have the Amazon forest. So you definitely feel different between traveling from Europe to South America. So they, they're both unique in their own, on their own right. How did, how did you become comfortable with making that decision? Like, how do you make decisions moment to moment and then big decisions like the one you made where it was time after your mother's passing to, you know, sell everything and, and take that step. Can you take yeah, uh, decision-making processes? Yeah. So some of the last conversations that I had with her was obviously I don't care what nobody says. You know, when, when you're, when you're on your last days, we are going to have regrets. That's life. And so as she began to open up more with me and, and, and asking me to try to figure out these things in life that she felt she maybe couldn't figure out. And one of them was, was happiness. We had a conversation about happiness and uh, it really made me to begin to think like, you know, what's happiness? How do I define, you know, happiness or even a deeper state of state of joy or unreasonably happy no matter what happens in life? And um, one of the things that I always wanted to do when I studied abroad, I mean, my world really opened up. I like that that experience forever changed my life for any of your listeners that are listening that are, happen to be in college or high school. I would highly recommend you to study abroad, even if it's for a two week thing, or if you have kids that are coming up on that age, I would recommend you to tell them to study abroad. But when I was studying abroad, most of my constituents and classmates were European and in the European culture, it's common that kids take gap years and they backpack. And to me, the term gap year was a complete, I didn't know anything about. And so I got inspired and I said that when I graduated college that I was going to take a gap year. Now, granted, I wasn't expecting my mom to pass and then have all these assets that I could sell that could help finance that trip. So I just took the opportunity. And so part of it was a lot of nervousness. I remember the night packing my bag, like purposely staying up super late, like almost in a way trying to self-sabotage the trip because I was really nervous to get. I remember just drinking a bottle of wine. Like, am I really about to do this? And a lot of it comes down to leaning into uncertainty, right? Because uh, when you lean into uncertainty, you create opportunities for you to surrender. It really, you have to learn to surrender and acknowledge the feelings of fear, anxiety, confusion. And you just kind of have to lean into it with whatever your end goal is. For me, it was to travel. And so basically, I'll tell you the best, this is the best advice I could give is to start small and grow big. So for me, it started out with, because after my, my mother passed, I found myself just alone in this home. So I ended up spending a lot of time alone with myself. And so I just started getting in the habit of first going to the movies by myself. Most people can't do that. I just started going to the movies by myself. I started going to restaurants by myself. Then that led to me taking a small trip, backpacking trip, kind of, to California by myself. I went to California by myself, spent some time in San Bernardino for um, Bob Marley's Kaya Fest in San Bernardino, then spent some time on in Venice Beach, and then I flew to Panama, where my mom's from, to go visit family by myself, and that kind of eased me into being able to just pack a bag and go somewhere by myself. So it's like, I didn't take that huge leap. So for people who want to take that leap to just travel solo, 
you know, start small. Just go to the next city over and spend the weekend by yourself. Feel what that feels like to walk around not knowing where to go, what to do, eating by yourself, forcing yourself out of your comfort zone. And then I would say grow to the point to where you feel like, okay, I can pack a bag and and go to Italy by myself or I can go to Colombia by myself. It's definitely something that for most people, I would say you would have to work up to. So that was kind of the thing that helped me to work up to that point to just pack that bag and go. Well said. Yeah, very well said. As far as you know, life, other life decisions that you know might affect your bank account. You know, those people may be struggling with a job they dislike, but you know, it's safe, it's secure. Um, but they want out. Like, is there a process that you might apply to that kind of life situation that you could? I would say planning. You know, saying like, you know, when somebody's starting, I have a degree in international business, right? So if you're going to start a business, you need a budget. And I would say, you know, I met some travelers now that probably they tell you straight up, I only got $400 in my bank account. And they're the ones that are juggling and hula hooping. And they're the real like, you know, hitchhiking. They, they really in it. I'm not to that level. You know what I mean? But I would say plan, you know, understand the global economy where you're going, understand what the exchange rate is, you know, how much is your dollar worth where you're going, understanding the political season. And, and things like that that are going on there and begin to do your research, because at this point, there's enough information out there where, like, for example, um, where people kind of create budgets like, hey, you, you see YouTube videos of travel influence all the time. Like, hey, I uh, this country, you only going to spend twenty dollars a day, you know, and start planning for that and then figure out you know how much money you would have to have and then understanding how to space that out. And having a plan of knowing what you want to do, like I, me and my friends would do itineraries because it helps you to not overspend. And it also helps you to kind of know, like when you get there, like what you want to do, because if you go to a place sometimes you don't know what you want to do, you get maybe analysis paralysis and try to do too many things and spend too much money. So traveling, and I'm pretty sure a lot of your viewers that you know backpacking stuff can attest to this you get way more money conscious in terms of budgeting and stuff like that so i would say create an itinerary doing your research about the country or continent or region you want to go to figure out what's your currency exchange and then figuring out like you know what's the average thing that you would spend the day um to help your money stretch to um because i know people who go to mexico or the dominican republic and spend like three thousand for a two two week you know, I, I'd say, man, you give me that 3000, I could see half a continent. Like I'd, I'd make it stretch, you know what I mean? But, and also just knowing your lifestyle, you know, not everybody's built for hostels, you know, there's different kind of levels of hostels, but not everybody's built for that. Some, some people just need hotels. So I would also understand what kind of lifestyle you want to live while you're traveling also helps. What's your lifestyle right now? Like what's your current life situation? Wouldn't mind sharing well, my, yeah, my current life situation. So I'm, I'm back. I came back. When did I come back? I came back October of t- 2019. And then maybe four months later, four or five months later is when, you know, the whole pandemic happened and everything starts shutting down. Um, And then so I spent, what, almost a year living with my dad during that time. And then uh, I recently moved out, got my own place and stuff like that. And got a job, I guess, re-entering mm-hmm. to like society, if you will. Um, and that's kind of my lifestyle now, just kind of right now working, 
living on my own, trying to figure out what the next moves are as of right now. Because the key thing is after doing all that traveling, you definitely get to a point where you're like, okay, I just need to be still. Because it, it gets exhausting. Um, I've yet to talk about this on my YouTube channel, but it, it does. Like, it's it's not all that it's cracked up to be. I mean, you, you get traveler sickness. Uh, things happen. You might get robbed. You might some, you might lose something. It's, things happen while you're traveling. And you're in a place where you don't really know anybody. And so, you know, it gets it, it can get lonely sometimes, too. So I just really needed time to just sit down. So I told myself, you know, I'm going to just be low key for right now and just live in one place and figure it all out and maybe make some changes in a year or two. What kind of like goals and aspirations do you have mulling about? Well, uh, coming back home, (laughs) it's definitely been a process. You know, I'm more conscious of what I can tolerate and what I can't tolerate um, and what kind of lifestyle I want. So a lot of it has been getting re-in-touch with like my entrepreneurial mindset, my money mindset, capitalistic mindset, if you will, um, to figure out financially how to make, because traveling showed me a glimpse, right? I was really fortunate to travel. It showed me a glimpse of what life could potentially be for me. Mm. So now it's about coming to the United States, which is a great place to start businesses and stuff like that to build and you can also start businesses abroad of course um but to really just build some sort of foundation to where i can begin to really rebuild that lifestyle where i can travel the way i want and basically be an ownership of my 24 hours if you will so right now a lot of my mental energy is towards that and also um picking up like i started i became a certified professional coach over the pandemic getting into coaching and speaking and other entrepreneurial suits is kind of where my mind is right now. Kind of hustling, I guess, you know, delayed gratification mm. till um, I can figure out a plan to just live that lifestyle that I would like to live. And you said that's ownership of your 24 hours, which means what? Which would basically mean just having my own um, business to where I can pretty much create my own schedule you know what I mean or if it means being a bit of a digital nomad having that flexibility to to do that and it sounds like pre-conversation that's with work working with people like you've just got certified as you said and you just started um leonwhitecoaching.com yeah and so and you know funny story about how that goes about because I know a lot of your listeners may at times especially it could be anybody you don't have to necessarily be in your 20s or anything like that because we all kind of go through these patches in life where we're kind of in limbo going through the motions and sometimes you just have to be real cognizant of what people like to talk to you about you know when people are talking to you what what kind of things are they talking to you about you know if, if you're a very athletic guy maybe most people come up to you like and ask you, you know, what, what's your diet like? How you work out? How you, you know, be cognizant of those things because there may be, that's where your element may be. Uh, there's a book by Ken Robinson. I think the guy name is. It's called The Element, and the element is basically where your natural talents and abilities intersect with your passions and interests, right? Um, for somebody like maybe like Jay Z, you know, real good with words. Um, has a natural abilities with words and, and a passion for, you know, using those words and, and rapping and those things to help him build the empire that he's built. 
And so when I was traveling, I was in Brazil at the time and I was about 12. No, I was probably like eight months or 10 months, eight or 10 months into my travels. And uh, I was talking to this uh, friend of mine. She's now a friend of mine. Um, she's a bit older and established in life with her own entrepreneurial pursuits. And she, we were like walking to a, we were doing a pub crawl. And she was like, wow, man, you've been traveling for a long time. I said, yeah, I have. She said, well, what do you plan on doing when you get back? I said, uh, you know, I've been avoiding that question because I really, <laughs> I really was. And uh, she started asking me like, well, what are you good at? And uh, at the time, I have most of my jobs have been in sales. So I said, you know, I'm really good at selling dreams, if you will. And she was like, oh, that sounds nice. She was like, have you ever thought about being a life coach? Because we had several conversations. She was like, you're very intuitive, very wise. She's like, have you ever thought about being a life coach? At that time, I didn't I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what's that? She was like, well, basically, you would sell people on their dreams. Like, you help them achieve their dreams. You help them plan and map stuff out. And, you know, she was like, you can go get certified for it and learn the techniques. So I put that idea on pause. Uh, then when I got home, I was just like, okay, what I'm going to do? Because to be honest with you, I guess a downside to taking a gap year is, you know, corporations don't like to see that. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I struggled to find a job when I came back. They just were like, why? What? What were you doing? Huh? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so it kind of forced me to just go ahead and dive deeper into that. And so I did my research, found out what kind of the top institutions were, picked one and got my certification. Very cool, man. Very cool. Um, you mentioned you've been on the road for 10 months when that's kind of came about. Mm-hmm. Was that... 10 months leading into a one-year, two-year trip? Like, how long did you accumulate? I was gone for 14 months. Straight. Straight. And were you flying different places, or were you taking buses everywhere? Well, in Europe, I only maybe took two planes, and the rest was train. In South America, I probably took one or two planes, and the rest was bus. Because, you know, you really get to see the countryside. You really get to see the, the, like what the country's really about when you're on those bus rides and you're in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you mind me asking what your, your budget was daily? Um, so when I was in, when I was in Europe, they, I read somewhere that a good estimate is a thousand dollars per country. That's what I read. Now, when I was there, the thousand the dollars also comes from the fact that you have to think about the currency exchange because the the dollar isn't as strong as the pound or the euro. So you're losing a little bit of money there. Things are a little bit more expensive for you. And that was a safe cushion. So I didn't really splurge all that much when I was in Europe. And then I also, at the time, to be honest with you, a lot of my roommates and friends that I had when I studied abroad were there along the way. Um, so I stayed um, with someone when I was also there too. And I'm not going to lie, you know, that helped me out a lot. And if she ever listened to that, I really appreciate that. Um, So that was kind of, but for South America, what helped me out was that I was traveling with two of my best friends. You know, um, there is a movie called Into the Wild about a guy named Chris McCandless. I'm pretty sure a lot of your audience probably know who he is. He was like an American adventurer. And he had this quote that said, happiness uh, is only real when shared. And I saw that on a bus 
when I was traveling in Peru. And that sparked this whole lot. That's what's motivated me to do my YouTube channel because I felt so happy at the time, like and where I was in my life. And I was like, I have to share this. I have to share my experiences. And I, and I started planning trips with my friends and stuff like that. And two, three years later, that turned into two of my best friends backpacking South America with me. So half of it I did in Europe and the other half I did in South America. And I say that to say is that if you're lucky, I know I'm blessed and fortunate to have friends that could do that with me. I would say if you can travel with other people or even when you're traveling solo, when you kind of clump and make groups with other people you meet on the road, that helps out tremendously with costs. So in South America, I can't say per se exactly what I spent per day. That's somewhere in the itinerary. Some countries, it was $20 a day. Other countries, it was uh, $30 a day. But South America is way cheaper than Europe. Then, you know, so people looking to backpack and stretch their money. Uh, Europe, uh, not Europe. South America is a great place to do that. South and Central America is a great place to do that. And I think Southeast Asia haven't been, but that's what a lot of people tell me. Yeah, no, it's very similar over there. You know, you just said something that caught my attention with the the joy of being on that bus and seeing that quote. Yeah. Has there been a moment aside from the travel moments where you experienced that, that you felt that, or has it only been traveling? Mm. Has that, you know, that's a good question. Cause I'm, I'm dealing with that right now as we speak, because when I was traveling, that was very therapeutic for me because I had to come to an agreement with myself. Now, looking back on it, that to be honest with you, while I was traveling, I was grieving, you know, because I just lost my mom. So that's another reason traveling was so spiritual for me, because when I look back on it on hindsight, like I had a whole mental breakdown in South America, uh, not South America, in Spain and Madrid, Spain. It was like I probably had only been a month and a half into my travels. And that's when it hit me like, yo, I just lost my mom, you know, and she's not coming back. And, and that, that was a huge experience. That was a really rough night in South America and in, in Spain. And so the reason I say that now is because now that I'm back home, that's like I've always had a tougher time with reverse culture shock than actual culture shock, like actually coming back home. And so I'm kind of at that point now where I'm trying, especially now I'm in a new phase of my life, trying to figure out what's that new therapeutic thing outside of necessarily just doing gratitude walks and meditating, like something that really feeds my spirit the way that traveling did. And also trying not to compare things, which you can easily do like, oh man, this is, this is how life was when I was traveling and this and that. And uh, some people say that's how, you know, depression starts when you're constantly comparing the now to the, to the past. So just trying to focus on being in the moment and and focus on what I'm doing now and find those pieces of joy. Like for right now, I kind of work in a retail kind of environment. So for me, as of right now, just connecting with all the different customers that I have, some of them start opening me up about their lives, especially the elderly couples, uh, elderly customers. Um, I, they, they, they just have some real interesting stories and I love those sort of things. So like doing little things like that, connecting and, and connecting, making deep, meaningful connections with people and just trying to be present with them. I could say as of right now is kind of that because it allows me to share my, my joy too. Cause eventually if I talk to them long enough, they're going to find out that I did this whole backpacking thing. And when I share my experience with them, their faces light up 
And I, I get a joy from that, sharing my experience and inspiring other people is, is, yeah. is where, where I'm getting that from right now. That's beautifully said, man. And I think that's profound in your awareness of that's, I mean, that's the key, staying present and just moment to moment, you know? If you, yeah. do, if you do think about yourself and the path that you're on and maybe the future, do you think you have one purpose or do you think throughout the rest of your life, there'll be multiple purposes that you'll strive towards to, to accomplish? Uh, probably multiple. That's always been my thing, just having all these ideas in my head. And yeah, probably definitely multiple. I'm pretty sure multiple. I mean, when it comes to my coaching, my vision is to uh, basically democratizing self-fulfillment, you know, helping as many people as I can reach that level of fulfillment of achieving their highest hopes and ambitions. Because when I look at it, you know, when I was traveling, you know, nine, eight out of, I mean, you run into some interesting people while you're traveling, but most of the people I met were, they were pretty happy with life. They were content. I mean, half the time you're walking around with no data in your cell phone. So everybody's really engaged into what they're doing. And I met some amazing people who have been traveling for three years, planning on writing books, people who climbed Mount Everest and all, and just done these amazing things with their life. And, um, I started thinking to myself, like, I think a lot of the issues that we have socially and mentally that a lot of, especially in America, because they, they say sometimes like most people live lives of quiet desperation. Right. And so when I think about like, what would the world look like if everybody was like fulfilled? You know what I mean? In terms of what they're doing, they're engaged in their life, because when you're fulfilled and you have a vision for your life, you know, you're genuinely happy you know you have a goal to work towards so basically as of right now my main mission is to do that alongside sharing my experience or as Rondell says you know we're all just helping each other walk home so just doing my part wherever I can whenever I connect with somebody I love it dude I feel that right here if you could speak to one audience member listening right now who's connected with your story maybe giving them some wisdom or advice on how to take that first step into the unknown towards that lifestyle that they've always dreamed of? What would you say to them? I would say to give yourself grace. You have to be patient and kind with yourself. We sometimes beat ourselves up for our mistakes, things that we sometimes feel like we missed out on, especially now where every day you're bombarded especially if you're on like social media or just everyday life, you're just bombarded with so many ideas and so many thoughts and so many different energies to point. You can't, you can't hear that internal voice inside of you. It gets washed out. And so what's helped me out a lot is to reminding myself that I have to be patient with myself too, that I'm growing, that I'm still changing. I'm evolving. And, you know, I hope, and I know, you know, to live a long life as well as everybody else that I encounter. But to just be patient with yourself and give yourself grace and, and don't be too hard on yourself. You know what I mean? Understanding the times where like, OK, I need a break or I need to talk to somebody, which is a huge thing. You know, no need to suffer in silence. So the overall message would be patient and kind with yourself and give yourself grace and just surrender to the unknown, man. Just, just surrender to it, 
lean into it, and um, you'll find that as you surrender to it, it will help you. You'll you'll get what you need to get you to where you go. But if you don't surrender to it, you're not even going to be conscious of it. You're gonna you're not going to be ready for it. So you just gotta give yourself grace, be patient and kind with yourself, and just surrender to the uncertainties of life. I love it, Leon. Thank you so much for your time, folks. Check him out on YouTube, Curious World of I, and LeonWhiteCoaching.com. Leon, thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Awesome, Leon. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate you. What a beautiful soul you are. Thank you for coming on, being so clear and transparent in your experiences and dropping so much beautiful spiritual knowledge on us. And you can just feel through the microphone that energy you have, that clarity that radiates of your willingness to explore internally, externally, and adapt accordingly when those mental or physical barriers are put in your path. And folks, as I have done in the past few episodes, I really like to wrap up more or less the message that I felt came across extremely strongly to me, something that might be beneficial to you to go back and reflect on. And that for me was Leon talking about that moment that you come to when you're unsure of how to move forward and that uncertainty comes from possibly fear. And Leon talks about leaning into that uncertainty. And what that does, it creates opportunities for you to surrender. And what comes from that is extreme growth. And I think for anybody out there contemplating a big decision or even a small decision, you can think about that as those moments arise where it's, if there's that little bit of uncertainty and that uncertainty is derived from fear of an outcome that is uncertain, well, those are the moments to lean into, to walk towards and to surrender to. And as Leon states, If you do that, the outcome will usually be something beneficial. It might not be the exact outcome you hope for, but there will be an outcome that will benefit you in some way, whether it's just personal growth or financial growth or maybe a relationship that is unexpected, growing your network. There's always something to be gained from leaning into the uncertain moments that we desire but are fearful of potentially having an outcome that is not what we hope for. I think there's a lot of power in that. I definitely know through traveling a lot that those moments occur all the time. So many travelers become more familiar with it. If you're not a traveler and you're just at home wondering what your next move is, well, think about that thing that scares you the most and start maybe making a plan like Leon says or exposing yourself to something a little bit smaller so you can grow into the bigger thing that scares you. Give that some thought. I hope that helps. And thank you again for listening. I really, really appreciate you. If you like this episode and you want to share with your network, that would be amazing. Just take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram, tag me in it. If you want to share your skill set with me in another way, that would be awesome as well. You can reach out to me, chapin at misfitsandrejects.com. Value for value is the model that I'm really excited about. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a monetary exchange. It can be, like I said, a skill set or even just a thought. Shooting me an email and saying like, hey, this got me thinking about my life situation and I am taking steps to move towards what I really want in life. That's hugely motivating, inspiring for me to know that what I'm doing is affecting you in a positive way. So thank you so much for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful and I will see you in another episode soon. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation and where you're at. 
and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.